Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Just reach out. Oh, hello there, Deb. Hello. Got anything new going on this week? No, not really. How about you? No, still working on habituating my crows. Why are you habituating crows? Because I want to try it and see if I can accomplish it. But they're being a little more difficult than what I thought. I thought last week I had a good handle on it. I think they might be nesting right now, and that's part of the problem. But anyhow. Hey, how's that new phone doing? (laughs) I love it. Well, good. I'm glad. So you're getting along with technology a little bit better, huh? Well, at least the phone anyway. Oh, that's good. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode, where we are going to discuss some of the creepiest, cursed, and haunted objects around. We're going to talk about a Dybbuk box, Annabelle the doll. We're going to talk about the mirror at Myrtle's Plantation, and last but not least, Robert the doll from Key West, Florida. The Dybbuk box really became famous uh, when it was auctioned on eBay. So here's a little background, and let's start with the Dybbuk box, because it's more than meets the eye. Yes, there are countless stories of the famous wine box that now resides in Zach Bagan's Las Vegas Museum, which supposedly holds a Dybbuk and was once owned by a Holocaust survivor. The box was supposed to have come from the Holocaust survivors with alleged paranormal events for the man who purchased it originally off of eBay. But it was really bought from an attorney at a yard sale in Portland, Oregon in 2003 by a writer and wood finisher by the name of Kevin Manis. Manis created the entire backstory about the box to generate higher bids for an eBay auction. In an interview, Manis said he made everything up, including the name Dybbuk Box. Okay, but looking into Jewish folklore and mythology, there is such a thing as a Dybbuk. A Dybbuk is a malicious possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. It supposedly leaves the host's body once it has accomplished its goal or after being exorcised. Belief in such spirits was especially prevalent in the 16th to 17th century Eastern Europe. Often, individuals suffering from nervous or mental disorders were taken to a miracle-working rabbi who could expel the harmful divic through a religious rite of exorcism. Kabbalistic folklore is full of stories about demonic beings. Demons themselves frequently took the shape of cats and black dogs. Sometimes they attached themselves to lost dead souls who, for one reason or another, had been able to transmigrate, had not been able to transmigrate successfully. The demon would then guide the renegade soul into the body of a living person. This gave the soul a refuge 
and the demon an opportunity to take control of the possessed person's body. When the demon was exercised, it would be sent back to whence it came, and the trapped soul would be free. But the only box used in the exorcism would be the ark that contained the scrolls of the Torah. You can find all kinds of divic boxes now on eBay, and since it has become such an internet sensation, there's a whole plethora of haunted and possessed paranormal items for sale on eBay. There's one thing to note, though. If you do get a hold of a real divic box, remember this. Ghosts and spirits can't be trapped in an inanimate object. That would have to be a demon of some sort. Why would Manus then admit to making up or embellishing the story of the box? Because I think it became such a huge internet sensation and movies have been made about it and books have been written about it. He's like, it's all fake. I made the whole thing up. There's no such thing as a Dybbuk box. Well, he's right. I can't find no history of a Dybbuk box. But Dybbuk's, yes, Dybbuk's are demons in the Jewish faith. And, and But a, a box to trap them in, I, I don't believe that's really true. So maybe that part of the story is what he made up. Well, what would be an example of a goal of the Dybbuk? example would be like we had discussed one of the examples would be where they want to possess the body and by possessing the body by using a soul of a dead person to enter this body and then they would use that soul to possess the body then they would gain two souls for hell but the what? soul that they used to, to to put in that body and then the soul of the person in the body a demon's whole concept is to take souls to hell. I see. Well, how would you know if you had a, a Dybbuk box and if it was real or not? Well, like I said, only demons can be trapped in something. You can't trap a ghost or spirit. And when you exercise something, you just have it leave and go back to where it came from, hell, right? So, I don't think there is such a thing as a real Dybbuk box where you could trap a demon inside it because you're trapping hell. And I don't know of any rite or ritual that can perform that duty. Hmm. At least in my education and research, I've never come across one yet. Okay. I'm always open to being corrected if someone out there knows of one, of a next rite of exorcism where you can trap something into something else. Let me know. I'm always willing to learn. Now let's talk about the Annabelle doll. Annabelle is not a haunted doll, but possibly a demonically possessed doll, and also is the first in the billion-dollar Conjuring universe of movies. According to the Warren's case file, this is how it started. In 1970, a mother purchased an antique Raggedy Ann doll for, from a hobby store. The doll had been a birthday present for her daughter, Donna, graduating from college with a nursing degree. She lived in a tiny apartment with her roommate, Angie. Donna placed it on her bed as a decoration and didn't give it a second thought. But within days, both Donna and Angie noticed there appeared to be something very strange and creepy about the doll. The doll mysteriously seemed to move about the house. Relatively small movements at first, but such... A change in positions at times, but as time passed, 
the movement became more noticeable. Donna and Angie would come home to find the doll in a completely different room. Sometimes the doll would be found with legs crossed, arms folded. Other times it would be found upright, standing on its feet. Several times, Donna sometimes left the doll on the couch before leaving for work and would return to find the doll back in her room on the bed with the door closed. Now, that's kind of creepy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not knowing where to turn, they contacted a medium, and a seance was held. That's probably trouble right there. Let's keep going here. Donna was then introduced to the spirit of Annabelle Higgins. The medium related the story of Annabelle to both Donna and Angie. Annabelle was a young girl that resided on the property before the apartments were built. There were very happy times. She was a young girl of only seven years old when her lifeless body was found in the field upon which the apartment complex now stands. But this is really the spirit of this but if this is really the spirit of the girl, or is it something way more demonic? As things seem to ramp up, that's when Ed and Lorraine Warren enter the story. Along with an Episcopal priest, they performed a rite of exorcism on the apartment, but was not able to exorcise the doll. Is the doll truly evil? Well, here is just one account after it was in the Warren's possession. Father Jason Bradford, a Catholic exorcist, came to the house Upon seeing a doll seated in a chair, he picked it up and said, You're just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anyone. And tossed the doll back into the chair, at which point Ed exclaimed, That's one thing you better not say. Upon leaving an hour later, Lorraine pleaded to the priest to please be careful driving and call her when he arrived home. Lorraine was very concerned and foresee some kind of tragedy for this young priest. But he had to go on his way, and a few hours later, Father Jason called Lorraine, and he explained that the brakes on his car had failed as he entered a very busy intersection. He was involved in a near-fatal accident destroying his vehicle. This was just one of many events that occurred over the next 20 years. Where is Annabelle now? The doll still remains in a specially made case at the museum, which is operated by the Warren's son-in-law, Tony Spira. Tony Spira is the one that's the head of that new Netflix show, 28 Days Haunted. What was the cause of death of the little girl, Annabelle Higgins? I've never read anything that said what her cause of death was, but I'm going to ascertained that it was very suspicious as her lifeless body was found in the field. I would, I would say it wouldn't have been from yellow fever or something normal at that time. I would say it was something more suspicious. She may have been murdered. <clears throat> so there was no autopsy or records or anything? I, I didn't dig that deep into her oh. death, but not that I'm aware of. Okay. Well, how... What prompted the contact of the Warrens? It was actually the Episcopal priests that contacted the Warrens. According to the Warrens' case files, which I went back and I read the entire case file on this incident, the medium had 
had not done a very good job and made it worse. And she contacted the Episcopal priest. The priest, after visiting and talking, he decided to bring the Warrens in. And that's how Ed and Lorraine Warren got involved. And they got involved in most of their cases that way. It was usually some law enforcement officer or someone in the priesthood that involved the Warrens in cases. And why weren't they able to exercise the doll? That's a good question. And apparently this must be a very strong demon that did not want to go back to hell. Um, that's the only reason I would know it can't be exercised. What or how did the doll end up in a special case? And what is the case's purpose? I'm not sure how it ended up in the case. I know the Warrens put the doll in the case. And I think it's more just a, it's a case that you can go online and see pictures of it. It's made out of wood with glass sides on it and glass front. And it's lockable. I think that's the main thing. It's just lockable. And it keeps the doll from being able to move around the room or move around. It keeps it contained. And that's probably the purpose of it as well, just to keep it contained in one location. Okay, let's move on to the Myrtle's Plantation Mirror. Deb, you probably remember this. In episode 9, we discussed Myrtle's Plantation and how it may be the most haunted house in the country. But now, let's talk about the ghost of Sarah Woodruff, or better known as Sarah Matilda, and her daughters, who were poisoned to death by a slave named Chloe, and how they have become trapped in the mirror. We already know that ghosts and spirits can't be trapped in an inanimate object. But folks, mirrors play by a different set of rules in the paranormal realm. In many cultures, they are seen as portals between the veils of the living and the dead. It's even said they can jump from one location to another by using mirrors. In parts of Germany and Belgium, it was customary to cover mirrors with a white cloth because it was believed that if a person saw their image in a mirror after a death in that household, then that person would shortly die. In different parts of China, mirrors are immediately covered upon a death or turned upside down. I'm not quite sure I understand the purpose of turning a mirror upside down. Your reflection doesn't turn upside down. Maybe they mean like a hand mirror, you turn it over. Oh, okay, turned upside down so the mirror's not reflecting, yeah, like, sides not like, being able to be seen. Like my mirror. You might be right, thank mm -hmm. you. That, that helps me a little bit. And the Jewish tradition requires all mirrors to be covered during Shiva, the seven-day ritual of mourning after a death. Is this why you can see Sarah and her children in a mirror? Or the children's handprints at different times? Maybe, but I don't think they are trapped at all. Many of the Myrtle's ghosts have been seen in this mirror, including Chloe, and it's possible they are simply using it as a conduit to pass back and forth. Hopefully, you shroud your mirrors and don't have two facing each other so you won't face the fate of those on the other side of that mirror. Or maybe even worse, bring something in you don't want. Since a mirror is inanimate and can serve as a portal, then logically speaking, would it not be possible other inanimate objects could serve a paranormal purpose as well? 
Yeah, possibly. But mirrors are all part of reflection, all part of an energy. And like scrying and everything else, part of divination. So mirrors have a really special purpose in the paranormal. Where other objects, not so much possibly. Like a box, just a plain old box. Where the mirror constantly is reflecting and transferring energy. It's creating a doppelganger of whatever it's reflecting. But a box, let's say the Dybbuk box, if it were real, it could possibly hold a demon inside. It could, but I, I don't know of any right of how to trap something in there. Gotcha. Where a mirror, supposedly, when your reflection sees it, your spirit goes through it, and it's stuck there. Or he uses as a conduit between the veils. It's like an open door. Kind of like, um, I can explain it better maybe by the movie The Matrix. Mm-hmm. When Neo is took the pill, he's going to go from The Matrix to the real world. Right. It's done through a mirror. Right. And then, okay. Some of the other infamously cursed objects include the Catskills Crone, the Iceman Mummy Z, King Tut's Tomb, and the Hope Diamond. The Crying Boy painting, and last, but definitely not least, Robert the Doll, who honestly, for some reason, that that doll just freaks me out. Here's a little backstory on Robert. Now, you got to remember, folks, this backstory is coming from its current owners of the museum where he's kept, and there are several different backstories and origins of where the doll supposedly came from. But we're going to go with the one where Robert is currently housed. The story of Robert the Doll dates back to the early 1900s when a young boy named Eugene Robert Otto was given a -a one-of-a-kind handmade doll by a servant that worked as Jean's nanny for his parents. The nanny was supposedly caught performing black magic in the backyard of the home and was fired by the mother immediately. And the doll was a parting gift to Jean and it quickly became his best friend. Robert the Doll and Gene had a friendship that ended up lasting throughout his lifetime and beyond, actually. While he seemed like an ordinary cloth doll, it wasn't long before Robert was involved in strange and somewhat terrifying events. The first hint that something was out of the ordinary was one night when Gene, who was only 10 years old, awoke to find Robert the Doll sitting at the end of his bed staring at him. Moments later, his mother was awakened by his screams for help and the sounds of furniture being overturned in her son's room. Jean cried for help, begging his mother to rescue him. When she finally was able to wrench the door that somehow became locked and shoved it open, she saw poor Jean curled up in fear on his bed. His room was in shambles and Robert the doll sitting at the foot of the bed. Gene eventually moved away, and after his parents' death, he came back to the home and inherited it, and him and his wife lived in it. And he found Gene hidden, or found Robert hidden in the attic, and brought Robert back. And Robert was seen in the windows and all kinds of crazy stuff until after Gene's death. But now, Robert resides in the East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. Visitors, of course, are welcome, but beware. 
There are many rules surrounding Robert and how you treat him. It is said that his curse follows you home if you break the rules and the walls of the museum are covered with letters of those unwitting souls that ask him for forgiveness. We'll post some pictures of Robert and the letters on the website. What are some of the rules? One of the rules I know of is you need to ask to take his picture mm -hmm. and thank him. And you must say yes, please, and be polite to Robert. You don't tease him. You don't make fun of him. You don't tell him he's ugly. How did they determine these rules? It's a doll. I guess by all the cursed people that have left there and all the letters that come back. Um, I, that would be my guess on it. Mm. I think that's why that doll freaks me out so much because I'm not one to play by rules. I yeah, I, I read the highlights of anything that I'm looking at. I never really read the whole paragraph. And you've known me long enough. I do not play by the rules. You know, I'm a firm believer there is no spoon. You know, it's like I've done things in my life where it's like, not what the rules say you can't do. It's what the rules don't say. But it is a doll who can't speak. So I don't know. Well, you know, maybe it's the... Is it maybe the suggestion? Or it could be the good and the evil. <laughs> oh, they've got rules. <laughs> Everything in the world is energy, and energy has rules, Deb. <laughs> so... Talking about everything's got energy and everything's got rules, which one of these objects is your favorite or least favorite and why? Honestly, if the Dybbuk box is, or the Dybbuk is real, or even the box, I would be fearful of being possessed myself by a demon. So I would say that one is my uh, least favorite. Okay. Well, I'm not sure about the Dybbuk box. But the Dybbuk is real because it's a type of demon. Mm. So, yeah, people in times of weakness or this or that can be possessed by demons. That's been going on for eons. But that relates back to religion again. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if the universe and universal consciousness has a good and bad side. I think there's evil out there. I've seen examples of it. I've seen some evil people in my day. I've seen some evil things done. But I'm just not sure. And don't worry. I'm not going to let you get possessed by a demon. Um, there's no benefit in it to me. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to keep you protected, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, folks, what about you? Reach out and let us know or tell us about a cursed object or a haunted object. And what do you think about Dybbuk boxes? What about you? Me? Mm-hmm. I just told you what I thought about them. Okay. Right? It's I don't, the doll. It's the doll that freaks me out for some <laughs> reason. You know, we've we visited paranormal places before. Mm -hmm. And we've had someone try to pass off an Annabelle-type doll to us right. as being evil. Mm -hmm. Sitting in the rocket chair the whole nine yards. It was just a doll. It was just a doll. right? Mm -hmm. But I, I freaked the lady out when I said... No, you do have one, one in here. And over behind the thing that we couldn't even see, I said, you got a clown sitting back there that is haunted. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what? Remember and she went over and looked on the shelf and there's a clown back behind a mm -hmm. big piece of cardboard no one can even see? Mm -hmm. I said, oh, yeah, I picked that up. It was there, but 
thing sure wasn't that raggedy end all that they were trying to pass off as a fake Annabelle. Anyhow, that's long enough on this one. And, uh, and folks, we're going to go ahead and bring this episode to a close. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening. And remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com, and if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode. (laughs) 